0: No, i used, used to having something in my hand here, so it's a little awesome. Oh, okay, again, my name is Brenton Harris. I want to thank you so much, Cedar Street Baptist. You guys have been so welcoming. Um, I'm not from Georgia. Um, it was made apparent I went to Scoops and Lions, and I, 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 did, I said Vidalia, and they said, it's Vidalia. You're not from here, are you? I said, no, I'm from Florida. But Yes, I'm from Florida. Uh, from, I'm in a ministry right now called Loving Hands Ministries and uh, it's a tool that God used to transform my life started 40 years ago in Florida and now we have a campus in Reedsville. we're working on getting launched with some of the men here have came out and helped us with texturing and it was such a blessing and an honor and Pastor Bo's come out and taught and sat with and he's just such an amazing you guys have an amazing pastor amazing man of God he's inspiration to me and it encourages me to see men especially with the a men's day, because um, my testimony is just a love story for Jesus, because I didn't, I knew of Jesus, but I didn't have anyone to disciple me. Uh, My father left when I was one, so at one years old, my father leaving, my mom, she tried to be the best parent that she could be. She had to work all the time, and so I was alone a lot uh, with my brother, especially when I, I got to a certain age where I felt I could be a man, but I didn't know what a man looked like um at seven years old I said the sinner's prayer I accepted Jesus into my heart the adults cried they shed tears I did too but I didn't understand what it meant to surrender my life or to have Jesus be Lord of my life Um, I didn't have any examples in my life the only men that I had examples of were my older cousins and they did drugs and so at the age of 11 I experienced drugs for the first time I started smoking marijuana Uh, it increased the pain pills cocaine Uh, Party lifestyle was my lifestyle, and that's what I thought being a man was, was going out and getting money and however you could get it, and then the drugs took over and took control of my life, and it ruined so many things in my life and so many relationships. So again, age 11, not going to school, choosing to skip school, um, wanting to pursue music. Music was a passion for me. And I remember going to church uh, and joining the worship team. And that was the only reason I was there. I was there because I loved music. And so I would go over and over again, but Jesus would never fully enter my heart. And again, it was this not having discipleship. Because when I said that prayer, there was a what next? You know, what do I do now? And so what I thought I did... And what I thought was being a man was making my own decisions and my own choices. I didn't listen to anybody. I was very rebellious. And I was constantly seeking for something to fill me that was not good for my life. I got into sedu- severe depression, um, and again, and, and again, uh, actually, Dustin was talking about this morning in the men's breakfast about how he can look back at his life and he can see how God was there every step of the way. And he was constantly calling. Whether we see it or not in the moment, God is constantly tugging at us and Jesus is saying, come. But whether I listened was the, the key thing to it, about stopping and actually listening. Because I was go, go, go. In fact, I was talking to somebody the other day about how we live in this world, about how we microwave. I want it now. And that's the world that we live in with phones. Everything's so easily accessible. And if you look, you can get it. Okay, I need to know something. Google, Siri, Alexa, and it's there. And that's the life that I lived. It was an instant gratification lifestyle. It was whatever I could get in the moment to fill me. And it was not Jesus that I was seeking, that I thought I was seeking. But literally underneath, and in the inside, I actually was seeking Jesus. And I never fully understood it until... I ended up in jail my first time when I was 18, and uh, I had been in and out of juvenile detention centers. I had been on probation, uh, tried rehabs, uh, everything they could do. um, Constantly, uh, you know, my mom going to court for me because uh, they thought she was a bad parent, but really, I was just the one that was just really rebellious and wicked. And uh, so, I go to jail my first time, and I'm an adult, and it was real to me. I was. In a place where there was people that had done what I considered very serious crimes and I was scared and I remember calling my mom and I was crying and I said, mom, you have to get me out of here and she was happy and calm and I said, why are you so happy? She said, because I know you're safe. She said, I know that I'm not going to get a call that says that you're dead. And it became real to me and apparent at this moment that it was not just me I was hurting. I wasn't destroying my life, but I was destroying my family's life and anyone that ever cared about me. And it progressed. And I'd love to say at that moment it was like, wow, this is what it's about. No, it didn't happen that way for me. But I was seeking. That was the start of something that, where I was actually seeking. And I remember a pastor coming into the jail. Because in the jail they would have chaplains that would come in. And I remember... I remember going to the Bible study, and I was so confused, and I I got a Bible, and I asked him, I said, where do I start? And he said, well, start with John, and you'll find out about you, and you'll find out who Jesus is. And so, for 10 years, I was searching. 10 years, in and out of prison. I mean... I had done so many things. I had a daughter at this point. They took my daughter away and and that was a moment that completely crushed me, but still seeking and trying to figure out this love because I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I was looking for love in things and in, in objects and people and in, in the decisions and oh, I'm going to go to college and do this and I had so many aspirations but never completed anything in my life because there was no foundation. And uh it was at this point of brokenness where I was doing Bible studies in jail, and I remember crying out to God, and it was at this moment at the age of 29 where I actually had an experience with Jesus. And it wasn't like some like bright light, holy moment, but it was just a moment where I embraced the fact that Jesus was with me, that he'll never leave me nor forsake me, and I hit my knees, and I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then Loving Hands came in, and I'll never forget, we had um, something called Recovery Pod. And they came into the county jail, and they were sharing their testimony. And I seen how on fire they were for Jesus. And I said, that's the Jesus that I need right there. If that's what they got, then I need it. And they're like, well, um, just fill out the application, and you can come. And I looked, and it's two years. And I said, well, I don't know about two years. I got a daughter I got to get back. And so I remember asking, Joe Hamlin was the guy who came in. I said, hey, Joe, I need to get my daughter back. Uh, he's like, well, take it slow. Like, don't worry about all that. Just come, and, and we'll worry about that stuff later. But me, I'm like, no, nah, I need it now. So I went out, and I made a lot more bad decisions. And the point that I'm getting to is, is that for me, I had to reach such a place of brokenness for Jesus to accept me, and I'm not saying everybody has to reach that point, but for me, I needed to be broken, because I was so firm in my ways, I was so hardened in my heart, that I had all the right choices, that I knew everything, and I was one of those ones that, oh, I know that, yeah, and I was so quick to let, not let somebody speak, but to interrupt with what I knew, and, and, and it still comes out, I'm not perfect, I still have that this day where, where it'll step in and I have to step back and say, Jesus, you know what, you're Lord over my life. I'm not making decisions anymore for my life because what my decisions got me was in prison twice and facing going a third time. And they had me with a needle in my arm behind a dumpster, eating out of trash and being homeless on the street so broken that my family didn't want anything to do with me. That's what my decisions had me make was just being there and sitting. I'll never forget, and I'll tell you that this point really became real to me when I saw my family enjoying a bonfire for Thanksgiving and I had to sit on a bus bench because I wasn't allowed on their property. That hurt so much for me that my mom, bless her heart, was like, son, I can't do it anymore. But you know what I told my mom the other day and she was so happy to hear this, I said, mom, that was the best decision you ever made for my life was to tell me that you couldn't do it anymore because what it caused me to do was to find out who could. And that was Jesus. Jesus was able to rescue me, and He did it in the form of such a great way with a woman's discipleship group. I was sitting; I was so broken, and I was—I uh, actually had a warrant out for my arrest. I didn't want to turn myself in. I was running. Um, I was in a relationship that wasn't healthy. She went to a detox center. They kicked me out because we were together. So they made me go back to the street uh, to on the street. And I was walking, someone had stolen my shoes, and I cried out to God, and I said, God, I don't want to live anymore. If this is life, if this is what you've got for me, there's no purpose, then take me now. And within five seconds, I seen a, a girl that I had went to school with. Her name was Vanessa Castro, I'll never forget. She was with her son, and she asked me what was wrong, and I'm just, I unloaded all my burdens on her. And then I went back, and I was just my head down, and I looked up, and there was 12 women surrounding me. And I guess they were having a discipleship group, and they gave me food. We worshipped in a circle in this parking lot. They gave me a pair of shoes. Surprisingly, her shoes fit. I don't understand that one still to this day. That's a joke. That'll, <laughs> But it was amazing how God provided a moment of clarity for me where I experienced the love of God. Because I'm telling you that I would have never known. The Bible tells us that we love because he first loved us. And I would have never realized that if someone hadn't embraced me in a moment where nobody wanted to be around me. I felt like a leper. I really did. And when I think about the lepers and how they were healed and how people shunned them, they had to call out. that Unclean. I felt that way everywhere that I went. It didn't matter where I was, but people knew that, oh, he's a drug addict. Man, look at him. I, look at some, I looked at my old picture the other day, and you, could, you would never tell. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you would, I don't even smell like smoke. But I, I, I love the Lord so much because of what he's done for me. He's forgiven me of so much, and I have done so many things in my life. And that moment right there where I experienced the love of God inspired me to come to Loving Hands and change my life. I have been clean for three and a half years now. That's the longest I've ever been clean. Without, Even in prison, I wasn't clean, but, but loving hands is not the solution, but it was a tool that God used for me. It was what I needed to sit at the feet of Jesus, to hear his voice, to get away from the world. I mean, no cell phones, no TV, no magazines, nothing that can create thoughts or inspire me to do anything but press into god and i just fell in love with the bible and i fell in love with the word of god and i was one of the scriptures that i have i want to read for you that really at that moment inspired me uh, was lamentations and if you guys know about lamentations it's uh you know jeremiah and they called him the weeping prophet and uh in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 55 through 58, forgive me, says, I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit, you have heard my voice, do not hide your ear from my sighing, from my cry for help, you drew near on the day I called on you, and said, do not fear, O Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul, you have redeemed my life. And that means so much to me because it was at that point where I experienced the love of God, where I made a decision, even with repercussions, I had to turn myself in and face going to prison a third time. And it was scary because I had been twice um, in there with people that had murdered people, people that had raped people. And I know this is, but this is what I dealt with and I was scared because I figured I was, In a sense, not like that. I mean, I had stolen a couple things. This was my my process. I'd burglarized something. But I was just as bad because I was caught up in the same root condition, and it was sin. And I was caught up in myself. And I was so broken in despair that I needed something. And for six years, I had been running. And finally, I said, Lord, if you want me to go, I'll go to Loving Hands. But you got to let me know. And I was in a relationship for two years with a woman that is no longer with uh, with us she passed away Um, but I said Lord if you want me to go I'll go and she relapsed and got caught up in I said I'm not going back to that and I made a decision to come here and it's the best decision I've ever made because I'm so inspired by the word of God that I'm seeking through his word and I'm seeking a transformation in my life and I notice it I notice the growth in my family my brother is going through some serious things right now, and please pray for him. His name is Quentin, but he had a shotgun in his mouth recently. But you know what? I asked him, said, I said, can I pray for you? And he said yes, and that's the first time he's ever opened himself up to the prayer The prayers of people. And I know God is trying to reach him. And that's because I'm going to step one foot in front of the other. And I'm going to keep heading towards Jesus. Because I'm believing that if you seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. That all this will be added unto you. Because he is producing things in my life. Now, I went back to my daughter. She got taken away. And that caused me also to make this decision. Because she's seven years old right now. And uh, I don't know how that's going to play out, but I know God is in control. Um, She lives in Lakeland, Florida, and I'm recently coming up with a way to get in touch with the people that have her. But when I left, she was 18 months old, and it was hard for me to realize that I was a bad parent because I was a heroin addict. Um, And I'll tell you that if anyone knows of their family members that deal with this stuff, it's not something that... You can just, like I wanted it gone. I didn't want to be that way. I never once when I was a kid thought, I'm going to grow up and be a heroin addict. I didn't. I wanted to be a musician. That was my, my goals and aspirations. But it's hard in that moment to just get out of that, to just stop. It's, I, I, as much as I wanted it to be a quick and easy fix, when my daughter was in the hospital, she was withdrawing from methadone. And, and if, if you guys know anything about withdrawals, that if the mother is going through withdrawals while pregnant, it can actually cause the baby to die. And so they put her on synthetic heroin, which is methadone. And uh, I was in the, uh, in the hospital, and I was detoxing with her, and they would actually have to stretch her body out. And I remember it being such a moment of, of disgust for me. was like, I, I just wanted to stop. And I remember crying out to God, and I'm like, again, God, why do you have me in this position? And now I look at where I'm at now, three and a half years later, and how strong I am in his word, and how much he gives me strength to continue going on, that I don't feel hope, hopeless and, and full of despair, that I'm filled with the hope of Jesus Because of what he's brought me through. That there are others that are going through this right now. Because I see it every day. I see it in families. And not just the people that are in the middle of their addiction, but the mothers And the grandmothers and the fathers that are getting the calls from people and their sons and their daughters in prison and jail. And they're saying, I need help. And they don't know at the time where that help comes from. But I know where my help comes from. And it comes from Jesus Christ. And that is why I'm in a position where I'm at now where I get to disciple men. That are going through the same thing that are coming in from broken homes that are dealing with their kids getting taken away that are 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 caught in their addictions that they're caught in selfishness and 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 they're just so caught up in the world's aspect of how to love and how to live but christ shows us how to love and how to live but it's examples and that's why i said i, get, I love this men's day i honestly do because i didn't have a man to show me how to be a man i didn't i'm just now learning I've learned so much from just being around other godly men. I don't know what a a, a good relationship looks like. I told you guys I was in an unhealthy relationship for two years before I came here. And she passed away last April from an overdose. That is the lifestyle I used to. But there's something powerful about godly men coming and showing the young men of this generation how to be men of God. There is something in that that activates something in me. It inspires and it encourages me. Just like Paul with Timothy, it inspires and it encourages and it fans the flame, so to speak, of how to be a godly man and a Christian in this world because it's much needed. Because if not, we go out there and we try to make our own decisions and our own choices and it always leads us to death because that's where it led me, to death, several times over, overdose after overdose, prison cell after prison cell, Phone call after phone call. Mom, rescue me. And my mom trying everything she could to rescue me, but never being able to do it. But guess who rescued me? Jesus Christ. So I'm at this point now where I'm still learning. You know, I haven't arrived anywhere um, In fact, sometimes I still kept, like, I don't even feel worthy to to be up here in this speaking. And I deal with that still. But the Lord tells me that I'm not, I wasn't worthy, but I'm worth it. And that's what I have to affirm to myself, is that what God says about me is the truth. Because I labeled myself a loser, a castaway. I labeled myself so many things. And... I remember watching this thing the other day about a a dad having his daughter look in the mirror and say that she's beautiful every morning. And it was so impactful to me because the word of God tells us that it's like a mirror. And so when I see what God says about me, that's what keeps me going now because for many, many years, I thought that my lifestyle would be prison and that was it. I didn't know any different. For me, that was comfortable, that was life, and that's it. And I even remember telling my mom that. And now that it's so different, it's such a better outlook on life, and it's so good to see my mom full of joy when I go to visit her. And then having an experience with my father, who after 31 years I connected with him, and we now have a relationship. And that's only because Jesus Christ, because I was not seeking that. The last thing I was seeking was my father. In fact, I was filled with so much unforgiveness towards him because I felt like he left me because he hated me or he left me because he didn't like me. And then I carried that because we carry the weight of our situations in life if we don't give it to Jesus. And I didn't know what that was like. And so I carried that into every relationship that I had. Oh, they don't like me. Oh, they're not talking to me. I could put these labels on me. I'm stupid. I'm never going to amount to anything and and if you say that enough about yourself you'll begin to believe it so when I kept saying oh I'm a drug addict that's just the way that I am or if I hear somebody say he's never going to change I believe that I believe that because words are powerful the Bible tells us about that that the words are powerful that we say and we'll believe it if somebody says it enough And again, going back to this godly man, an example, an affirming and telling somebody that you can do it and encouraging somebody. Because if if the men of loving hands didn't come behind me and show me that I could do it, I wouldn't think I could. I wouldn't think I could. I would not be standing here today. I would have ran to the drugs like every situation I ever faced. I ran to drugs because an IV in my arm was better than trying to live a life that was fake, Because my reality was that I was never going to amount to anything. Because I never completed anything. So again, pointing to Jesus, though. This experience and the love of God. When I'm dealing with these situations now, the first person that I run to is Jesus. Even if it's arguing, yelling, yelling. when the fiance that I was with, she passed away, that was a hard moment for me. In fact, the other day I was actually still kind of mourning. I still carry that because I felt like I should have been there. But what if I was? I wouldn't be here. And so I think about those things and, and the things that I deal with. And, and through the ministry, it's kind of a safe environment because it's two years. Two years, you, you, you know, you give, give away everything just so you can gain eternal life. And I remember having a bonfire blow up on me, which was, they have a fire policy now. It's called the Brenton policy. Um, But it's an experience that before, when I would have went through something like that, I would have ran from God. I would have ran completely the opposite way. And I mean, I had second degree burns all over my body and on my face, on my neck, on my legs. And I had no scars on me. By the grace of God, I have no scars on me. And and my whole outlook changes because normally when I went to the hospital, I'm begging for for whatever, drugs, pain pills, whatever. I need this to go away. I need this. But, man, I just remember just having the joy of the Lord and this peace on me like no other. And I remember even asking the doctor to pray. And he was like, yeah, you can pray. I was like, no, will you pray? <laughs> and he did. And it amazed me. And then when the, la- and the psychologist lady comes in, she's like, um, so you might be experiencing shock, but I'm not understanding how you're calm. Maybe you're just in shock. I said, no, ma'am. I have the joy of the Lord because that's what I carry now. It doesn't matter what I go through. The joy of the Lord's still there. It may hurt during the time. I was in a lot of pain, but God was there with me every step of the way, and that's why I love Jesus so much because when he says he'll never leave you nor forsake you, he means it and I don't know if this is for somebody right now, but when he says he, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, he's, he's with you through every decision, through every situation, through everything that we go through. And, and, and I had to realize that because sometimes it's not my first instinct to call out to Jesus. Now it's my first instinct, even if it's yelling. Sometimes I yell at God. I mean, that's just, that's just our relationship. Sometimes I yell at God. He doesn't yell at me, but he lets me yell. And, and, then, and then we work it out. And, and that's, that's my relationship now. It's no longer running after what Brenton wants. And, and, and the drugs have never been a, a thought on my mind anymore. And that's the first time ever, the first time ever that I can go back to where I came from and I cannot think about the the houses I used to be at and and think about the corners I used to be on or think about the woods I used to sleep in and, and, and the drugs here and the drugs there. Those aren't even a thought in my mind anymore. And that's only from the transformation that God gives. And it will happen the more that I surrender my life to Jesus, the more that he can do in me. And that's what he's doing right now. In this work, in this season, I'm up here in Reedsville uh, on these nine acres, and 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 God is still moving, and He's still in control, and He's still doing more and more for my life. And so, um, I just want to leave you guys. I'm gonna close up. I'm, I kind of went on a tangent there, but I just I just wanted everyone to know about how much Jesus loves you and hopefully encourages you as men to be there for the younger men because if I didn't have men like Joe V, if I didn't have men like Marshall Walker, our directors, and, and Pastor Bo coming up beside me and showing me what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus, I would still be lost. I would still be lost. And so the verse I want to leave you with that really is impactful to me right now is Galatians 2.20, which says, therefore, since I have been crucified with Christ, It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. In this life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you so much.